Today marks the third in a winter sermon series, Journey Inward, Journey Outward, Spiritual Formation and Ethical Action in the Christian Life. Last week we explored inner peace and today we will pursue outer peace. The Rotarian magazine carried a cartoon a while back of a woman wiping a world globe as she holds a large container of global solution. (laughs) World peace. That is a huge and oftentimes overwhelming subject. In our text from Isaiah, which Michael read for us, a major biblical theme is being played out. The children of Israel are not being faithful to God, and they are putting their trust in things other than God. In verse 9 and following, we read, For they are a rebellious people, faithless children, children who will not hear the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, Do not see, and to the prophets, Do not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy illusions. Leave the way. Turn aside from the path. Let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. Thus, Therefore, says the Holy One of Israel, you reject this word and put your trust in oppression and deceit and rely on them. Throughout the Old Testament, time and time again, the prophets like Isaiah have had to call the people back to putting their complete trust in God and God alone. The issue here is one of idolatry and the fact that throughout history, people have given their focus to other lords. The danger of idolatry has been addressed throughout history by many of the most perceptive minds of the church. Tertullian began his essay on idolatry by describing it as, quote, the principal crime of the human race, the highest guilt charged upon the world, the whole procuring cause of judgment. The reformer, Martin Luther, recognize that idolatry sometimes takes sophisticated forms, which appear to extend to worship of God, but in fact are cleverly disguised forms of self-worship. Thus Luther could say, where you hang your heart, there is your God. Along similar lines, John Wesley declared, we have set up idols in our hearts. We worship ourselves when we pay that honor to ourselves, which is due to God alone. In more recent times, Paul Tillich has pinpointed the essence of idolatry in saying, idolatry is being ultimately concerned about that which is not ultimate. You see, idolatry is not so much misdirected ritual as it is overvalued Values. Anything can be elevated to godlike status. Food, sex, power, drugs, alcohol, wealth, and fame. Idolatry often makes its claims in the name of God and, and wins acceptability by associating elements and endeavors of the idols with the things of faith. This is confirmed by the biblical tradition. When the golden calf was set up in the wilderness, No one issued a forthright call to abandon God. Aaron built an altar before the calf so that offerings might be made to the Lord. Exodus 32, 5. Similarly, in Elijah's day, 
the people were convinced that they could worship both Baal and the God of Abraham. Thus, Elijah was forced to challenge them. How long will you sit on the fence? If the Lord is God, follow God. But if Baal, then follow Baal. 1 Kings 18.21 I think for us, for us, money, financial security, comfort, leisure, and entertainment are some of the acceptable quasi-gods which are held in tandem with God. Idolatry is the elevation of preliminary concern to ultimacy. When something essentially finite is given infinite significance, that is idolatry. So each of us has to fill in the blank personally to recognize our own idols. For nations, nationalism can become so strong, it competes with God for ultimacy ultimacy in people's lives. And this brings us back to world peace. Again, from Isaiah. In returning and rest you shall be saved, in quietness and trust shall be your strength. Therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. Therefore God will rise up to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for the Lord. Listen to what Isaiah says elsewhere in chapter 2, verse 4. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Isaiah's words echo down through the centuries. They were intoned by countless generations yearning for peace, even as they were ignored by those who ruled the destiny of nations. Historians teach us that in the millennia of recorded human history, we can find no more than 128 years, all told, when there was no war in some place on this earth of ours. 128 years of peace, 5,000 years of war. 5,000 years of maimed bodies and burned flesh, of widows and mothers' tears and broken spirits. We, in our time, ignore Isaiah's admonition at infinitely greater peril than did our forebears. They risked only individual lives. We risk humankind in its totality. Nuclear weapons, about which there seems to be much complacency, and biological warfare are just some of the capacities available to destroy human life and make the whole world unimaginable. One way to imagine peace is to is to just bury our heads in the sand and pretend there just isn't much war and violence in our world. But we all know that isn't true, if we at least watch the evening news or read the daily newspaper. It is so hard to get our heads around world peace, except as we catch a vision of God's peace. Every year in December, we celebrate the birth of the Prince of Peace. Zechariah, in our passage from Luke, spoke of how his son John would prepare the way for the one to come, a mighty Savior. Only his way was not the way of might. It was a different way. 
Listen again to verses 78 and 79 of our text. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And we know that that God's peace is not simply the absence of war, but also the presence of justice. Putting, Putting pervasive peace together in our world today is enormously complicated. Peace is not the product of terror or fear. Peace is not the silence of cemeteries. Peace is not the result of violent repression. Peace is generous, tranquil contribution of all to the good of all. Peace is dynamism. Peace is generosity. It is right and duty. So wrote the late great Archbishop of El Salvador, Oscar Romero. Some years ago, when I took a trip to Israel, I was amazed to learn about and experience the topography of the land. The elevations were incredible. You know, when it talked about going down the road, it was not just a literal or a figurative thing about going down a road, like we would say. You literally were going down from one elevation to another. And when we were in the Golan Heights, we could we could see how having the higher ground gave such great advantage to whoever had the higher ground in a military conflict. And, of course, we, we learned about the conflict of the Jews and Palestinians, which continues to this day with little prospect for peace. Our guide told us a story that when Westerners visit the Holy Land, they come for two weeks and they go home and write a book about how to establish peace in the Middle East. When they come and visit for two months, they go home and write a paper. But when they visit for two years, they go home and write nothing. (laughs) When I was younger, it was easy to preach on peace. But now that I'm older, it's, it's much harder and more complicated. In fact, I really struggled with what to say for today. And when it comes right down to it, I really don't have much to say. I realize I'm... I'm not going to do much to affect world peace, and individually, you probably aren't either. However, collectively, through small efforts here and there, we might do more than we think. You see, if we think we can bring about world peace, we're wrong. But if we think we can't do anything to bring about peace, we're wrong too. Tell me the weight of a snowflake, a small bird asked a wild dove. Oh, nothing more than nothing, was the answer. In that case, I must tell you a marvelous story, said the little bird. I sat on the branch of a fir tree, close to its trunk, when it began to snow. Not heavily, not a raging blizzard, no, just like in a dream, without a wound and without any violence. Since I didn't have anything better to do, I I counted the snowflake snowflakes settling on the twigs and needles of my branch. Their number was exactly 3,741,952. When the 3,741st 
953rd dropped onto the branch? Nothing more than nothing, as you say? The branch broke off. Having said that, the little bird flew away. The dove, since Noah's time and authority on the matter, thought about the story for a while and, and finally said to herself, perhaps there is only one person's voice lacking for peace to come to the world. I'd like to lift up the Ten Commandments as we, as we think of our lives on the world stage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not have any idols. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet anything that is your neighbor's. These are the ways God wants us to respect and love God and each other. You see, we can only impact peace as we interact and touch those around us. And friends, that is important. How we behave matters. Expressing love and Justice, decrying violence and hatred. Are these not ways that lay a pathway for peace? World peace probably won't come in our lifetime. But that doesn't mean we should give up. The builders of the Gothic cathedrals in Europe worked for hundreds of years knowing that only some future generation would enjoy the full glory of those enormous houses of God. When it comes to building peace, are we less than they were? As I mentioned, I can't tell you much about world peace, but I can tell you about you and me and how it begins with each of us. In fact, rather than tell you, let me sing it. Let there be peace on earth. And let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be. With God, our Creator, children all are we. Let us walk with each other. In perfect harmony, let peace begin with me. Let this be the moment now. With every step I take, let this be my solemn vow. To take each moment and live each moment in peace eternally. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Amen.